whenever people hear my music, they're like, you sound like Mac Miller. I'm like, yep, because when I was 15, I wanted to be him. Sound Seekers, welcome to another episode of Sound for Thought, a podcast that uncovers the reasons why people make music. I am your host, Andrew Schultz from Redefining Records. Today, you are going to hear a great conversation I had a couple weeks ago with the prolific Garen Brown, otherwise known as Doc Martian. Before the interview, you'll hear his latest track, Ran Into You, uh, to get a sense of his style, but I think you'll really enjoy his music. It's a really sick blend of indie pop and rock, and it's heavily influenced by his background trying to recreate 90s hip-hop vibes and 60s music. In the episode, we chat about all sorts of stuff, as always, like Garen's college football career, which began at UW, but mainly took place at Berkeley. We talked about studying abroad and how that can impact your mindset and your perspective. We talked about learning how to play music through YouTube, learning how to market through music promotion. We talked about creativity as a choice, whether or not people are born creative or if it's something that is learned or some sort of combination. We talked about collaborating with others on music, being in a band, the stigmas of performing live with a backing track. Of course, as always, we hear why Garen makes music. And we played another game of soundtrack to your life, so stay tuned for that. If you want to support Doc Martian, find him on Spotify at that name and follow him on Instagram at the Doc Martian. If you didn't already know this, adding music from indie artists to your playlist is a really helpful thing for them, so I recommend adding some Doc Martian to your indie Good Vibes playlist, and that'll go a long way. You can find some Doc Martian music on our Redefining Records playlist under the radar. You can search up Redefining Records on Spotify to find our account and follow that playlist and a bunch of other cool playlists. If you'd like to support Sound for Thought, please subscribe or follow us, rate us, leave a review on whatever podcast listening platform you use. You can keep up with us and find other really cool stuff on our Instagram, at Redefining Records. Shameless plug of the day, Redefining Records is now producing a second podcast. I guess that makes us a podcast network now. The new show, if you haven't already listened to it, is amazing. It's called Bands, Beers, and Buzzwords, hosted by John Pagliasati of Delta Dagger. It's one part music history podcast, one part drinking game. Somewhat inspired by drunk history on Comedy Central combined with music. Each week, a new musically trustworthy guest joins the show to discuss an album of their choice. Our host, Johnny Pags, prepares a list of buzzwords related to that album. If and when one of those buzzwords is spoken by the guest, they must take a drink. Chaos and drunk shenanigans ensue. There are also bonus segments on music news and trivia. You can grab a drink and play along while you listen. Simply drink whenever the guest drinks, and you are guaranteed to have a good time. I can personally vouch for this because I was the guest on last week's episode. It was kind of a pilot episode where John and I worked out the kinks, tried out new formats and new segments, sort of figured out the show together while talking about one of my favorite bands of all time, New Order, and their 1983 album, Power, Corruption, and Lies. So if you're a New Order fan or just a music fan who likes to drink, I highly recommend you check out Bands, Beers, and Buzzwords on Spotify or any other podcast listening place. We'll be posting updates on Instagram at Redefining Records. 
Alrighty, before we jump in, here's the track Ran Into You by Doc Martian. It's one of my personal favorites of his, along with the track Bluffing as well. Check out that one on Spotify. Stay safe, be kind, and keep making cool shit. Please enjoy the show. been up to just chilling a lot of music and then uh entering the job application uh process right now so that's that's a lot of fun (laughs) yeah what i mean what kind of jobs are you looking for sales roles mainly uh right now i have an interview tomorrow with a alcohol distribution company i've talked to a couple of those and then insurance sales as well okay yeah those are those are very different yeah, Industries. yeah, yeah, ridiculously <laughs> different, but uh, just like family, friends, and network, kind of. The, yeah. they have the end for that. Yeah, for sure, that makes sense. What about you? What What have you been up to? Oh well, I mean, the, I had a big change in my life recently. I moved to Seattle about a month and a half ago. No way. Yeah. So, how, how do you like it? I I love it so far. I mean, it's well, it's great for. It's the first time I've really moved away from Southern California. I mean, I went to school in Santa Barbara, but it's, it's really nice to just be out on my own. And, and I moved here with my girlfriend, Katie, and it's been great. Just like kind of having our own thing going here. Nice. And, uh, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty fun here. I mean, it's COVID era everywhere, obviously that we can't go out and like do a bunch of stuff, but we've still been exploring and doing a lot of outdoor stuff and, uh, working from home and she's doing school at UW. So oh, really? we've both been really busy, but having a lot of fun. Nice. Nice. I went to UW freshman year. Oh really? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That was fun. Seattle's did, sweet. Yeah. So did you, did you transfer away from it? Yeah. I transferred to Berkeley going into uh spring semester of sophomore year. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I think, um, Andrew mentioned to me that you played football at Berkeley. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So I was playing there uh, from 2017, and then going into the 2018 season, I blew my knee out for the second time, and then things kind of just went haywire from there. I couldn't play anymore. So then, I li- like I was in Berkeley, so I love it there. It was a great place, and it was it was as an artist, it was a really cool, like experimental type of area to be at. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, it was fun. Do you regret what happened to your? football career or are you kind of at a point where you're okay with how it ended i i'm cool with how it ended uh i wish i had one more season 
that would have been nice because I finally got like comfortable playing college football and the speed and the kind of complexity of the game that it presents. But uh, yeah, I think now I've come to terms with it kind of like the past like year has I went abroad last year for the fall semester and that it's so cliche to say but it was just like it changed my perspective on everything and like no one watches American football there so I was like oh like I don't I don't need to care about that because not everyone does so (laughs) yeah I've come to terms with it now yeah I mean I, I agree with the cliche of of going abroad I mean it's a cliche to have that experience like in college as a study abroad but just traveling outside of the U.S. is big for anyone I think just because you get you get a bigger perspective on what is going on and like your worldview is so limited growing up in one place. So exactly. I had a similar experience. Yeah. I studied abroad in Argentina. Okay. It's like a whole nother world. I mean, I didn't like have, it didn't make me give anything up or like stop caring about a certain thing. I mean, I wasn't really an athlete myself, but it was just, interesting to see how people just operate on the complete opposite side of the world yeah and everything you care about they don't even know about so it's kind of just like it's like oh cool like i can i can just decide what i want to do and care about exactly so you've been spending a ton of time putting out new music i know you're just you're kind of pumping them out yeah yeah i got on a routine about one song a month and i think it's it's pretty feasible and then kind of my recording process right now is finish the whole production of a song and then kind of start writing lyrics and putting the vocals on. And so that's, you know, the production can happen in like an hour and then the lyrics, it takes forever now. I don't know. It's not really writer's block or anything. It's more so of like this production has a whole world in my head and how do I accurately depict that for the listener? And so I, I take time letting the lyrics come to be. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm, about one song a month. And I hope as I start working, I can uh, kind of keep up with that. And I think I will be able to. Yeah. So have you completely abandoned the idea of needing to make an album? Yeah. For the moment, I think when listeners kind of ask for that, or if I hit a period of time where I'm like, you know, I, I want to take on that challenge of like writing a whole cohesive piece of art. I think I will, but for now it's just singles and it's fun because like I have so much fun making music. So it's nice, like making fun music that makes like any sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I get you. yeah. And so it's, it's nice being able to kind of like replicate being happy and then put it into a song and only for one song, because I think an album has to be emotionally complex. And right now I'm kind of just putting out songs that are fun, happy, go lucky, optimistic, and I'm having fun doing that. Yeah, that's kind of a good exercise to have during quarantine. Keep yourself upbeat, help other people stay upbeat and and positive. Yeah, because, I mean, these are crazy times. (laughs) No one really knows what to do sitting at home all day. Yeah, I mean, you've you've kept productive, though. I mean, it's obviously, I think a lot of people have noted it's it's a good time to be an artist or a creative person, at least, because you've got more time to, to work on your craft. Yeah. Yeah. A lot more time. So one thing I did want to talk about a little bit was just kind of your transition in styles. Cause I was listening to your earlier stuff and then your more recent stuff. And it's kind of a, a pretty, I mean, it's not a complete jump, but it's definitely a little bit different vibes. Um, you kind of moved to more originally a little more hip hop focused and, and lately a little more pop you know, singer, you're singing more than rapping. Yeah. And I kind of was just interested to hear like what, what brought about that desire to kind of change styles. I, so I've been recording since I was 15. So like nine years ago I started and yeah. that's, and what got me into music production was nineties hip hop and sampling and like Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul, Jay Dilla, MF Doom. Don't mind me, I wrote this rhyme lightly over two or three heinies, and boy was they fine, G. One black one. Over these nine years, I've become a lot better of a musician. I moved away from sampling a long time ago and then started just playing more and more of 
piano and guitar and now I'm into bass and drums on my songs and I think it was a natural transition of being like I want my music the music itself to speak rather than having these lyric heavy songs that the listener kind of needs to like be in tune to the vocals to hear yeah and so I'm more like let the guitar talk now so that's where I think it was just like a natural transition of getting better at music gotcha that makes sense yeah. I like it. And then, I like where you're going with it. Yeah, thank you. But I, I also think it was like a uh, hip-hop is like rooted in struggle. And <laughs> like just like the, the lyrical content. And then like yeah. the, since I got hurt, it was a great outlet for that reason. Because it's so – you can just put everything out into it. And then as I slowly – like my life got better and I came to terms with everything as I was saying earlier – I kind of there's a very fine line in rap between being optimistic and corny. <laughs> yeah. And in like last summer I was starting to make more upbeat stuff and then I went back and listened to it a couple months after and I was like, "Okay, this is really towing the line of corny." So <laughs> kind of figure out where I'm going to move. Yeah, that makes sense. I get you. So you started recording when you were 15, you said. Mm-hmm. I mean, approximately. When did you start playing music? Did you take lessons when you were a kid? I know we know each other through Andrew Hammond, and I know his whole family's his. You guys are cousins. His whole side of the family is super musical. Were your parents musicians as well? No, my parents were not, but uh, my sister was, and I, we had a, we always had a piano in our house. So when I was ten, I looked up how to play the Office theme song. Uh, and so from there it just became like learning hallelujah and then skinny love and kind of just like i'm youtube taught really as a musician so uh yeah that started when i was like 10 and then kind of just getting better at that and then playing guitar but i only could play like c g and d for the longest time that's all you need and yeah literally that's it once you simplify it you're just like all right yeah you can make a lot of songs with these three chords but uh and then I, I, I think last summer I was kind of like, I want to get good at guitar. And then so I've been focusing on that for the past year and a half now. And how have you been doing that? How have you been improving through more YouTube? Uh, with, so now that I have like a big foundation with music and understanding what's actually happening in songs, it's kind of it's a, it's a mix between learning songs that I really like and then as, as I just produce more and more really like trying to come up with things I haven't done on guitar yet and putting that into my songs. And then I think it's just practicing playing every single day. Once you learn bar chords to it just opens up everything. So. Yeah. It's sort of cool to, I feel like a lot of musicians kind of learn through playing and through writing, especially, which it seems like is, is how you're going about it. It's just, you're trying to push yourself to do something new with each song. And that's like forcing you to learn new things. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of grew up on YouTube. You started writing a recording when you were 15. And what what type of music made you want to record? Was it just the 90s hip hop or was there like, I mean, now you're doing pop music or, or you know, kind of popular hip hop and there's some, some indie rock in there too. Yeah. What What kind of music has inspired you over the years besides the 90s hip-hop so the the first artist that ever made me want to start recording music was mac miller yeah okay shout out my guy i whenever people hear my music they're like you sound like mac miller i'm like yep because when i was 15 i wanted to be him <laughs> nice i would just try to emulate him as much as i possibly could but uh over the years it's really changed like diving into pet sounds last last fall i just fell in love with that album again Uh and and then so like those types of artists the beatles uh little river band started listening to them recently and just uh kind of like rock like 60s rock is a really really good time of music and it really started what pop music is now and kind of the foundation of all that the sound that we hear today yeah so they're huge right now for me. A uh, couple other artists, Brock Hampton. Yeah. 
What's on the rules for breakfast today? What's on the words I'm forbidden to say? I need to let my but yeah, so Brockhampton a couple years ago, they were huge for me just because they were doing something new, but it was also the same. And yeah. uh, so they're one. And those are like the big ones that I really, really like tr- almost I would start making music that they would make. I kind of like what you said about Brockhampton and that they were doing something new, but also the same. I feel like that's the ultimate formula for pushing music forward is there has to be a piece a piece of it needs to be familiar, but a, a piece of it needs to be something fresh. Yeah, yeah, because it, it it's hard, especially with like hip hop is so saturated right now with the same sound. And so just having one little unique twist as an artist is a huge thing because then it shows that you're adhering to the standards of that genre, but then you also have what makes you an artist. Yeah, so... Here's a heavy question. What do you think it is that makes you an artist? What What's your unique quality? Right now, I would say it's moving into like this indie pop sound, having the hip hop background. Because the yeah. basis of hip hop and like most beats are so simple that I'm not going to have like a B side of a song that completely changes the sonic texture of the song. It's just going to be two and a half minutes of kind of the same thing with a little bit different of a twist and trying to give it something new. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're accomplishing that. I like it. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's something, there's like a fine line between consciously going for something like that, but then also just letting it happen. Yeah. That's a good point. Do you feel like you're doing, so what, what side of the line are you on? Do you, do you lean towards trying not to think about it or do you think about it a lot? When I'm making music, I try not to think about it. I try to just let it happen. But then, you know, it's hard to listen to music without like an analytical approach to it and seeing like, oh, what did this person do? What makes this song special? What makes this different than the rest? Why do people like this type of song? And so when I'm making music and playing it, it's just letting it happen and letting the creativity go out. But then when I'm listening, it's more so of, trying to be conscious about what I can bring to the table. Yeah. Does listening to music, well, I'll frame it this way. When you're in the process of working on something new, are you exploring other people's music more or less? Does your brain like feed on the energy and inspiration of other music? Or do you like to kind of block stuff out for a while while you uh, focus on your own song? I definitely listen to music less. I absolutely hate it because I'm so far behind on music that I want to listen to. But when I get in a creative flow, it's just listening to the last demo I brought out or the last demo I exported and how can I make it better? What can I add to it? It's always trying to make my music better and not really listening to other stuff. But then I go through periods of where I'm only listening to other music and just constantly clicking on new songs, listening to it for a minute. Do I like it or not? And then switching. And so I would say when I'm making music, it's a lot, lot less. Yeah. It's sort of inevitable. It's, it's unfortunate that you get behind on like what's new, but there's just not enough time in the day. Yeah, seriously. There's not enough time in the day. So you mentioned you're looking for jobs now. And you're pumping out a song every month, or that's the goal. Is that is is that status quo just what you're going for going forward, or do you hope to make music full time? Is there like a path forward in your mind, like a plan to become a full time musician, or is it just kind of this is your side thing that you do for fun, and you know if it turns into something, it does. But yeah. How does it fit in your head? I would say it's it's one of those things where it's like it's it's a passion. I love doing it. And if the opportunity arises, yeah, I'll take it and be able to do that. But right now it's a creative outlet and I love doing it. I love even just like it's like a learning how to market my music. It's going to be valuable in the future for whatever I do. Just being able to understand how people look at products and and kind of like dive into it. What makes people like something? And so I can learn a lot from it. 
just the music endeavor. And if it does arise, yeah, I'll, I'll take it 110%. But uh, for now, it's really just something I love doing and want to keep on doing as much as I can. Yeah, absolutely. What else do you do with your time besides music? Oh, not much. <laughs> it's either I'm playing an instrument, recording. I like reading. I love reading. Oh, there you go. What What have you been reading lately? A lot of Hemingway. I just started F. Scott Fitzgerald. I'm going to do a dive on him. Um, and then Tom Wolfe. I really like Tom Wolfe. Okay. So you're kind of working through some classics. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I just want to know why they're a classic and then start reading them and you're like, wow, these are really good stories. And these are exactly why everyone brings up Old Man in the Sea or Farewell to Arms. Do you ever try to write stories? I mean, there's obviously narrative to songs and people are expressing stories through their songs, but do you ever do any like prose? Not necessarily. Not I, I've done like a short story before, but then what I realized is with my music is I'll just like kind of try to put a quick little story in my music, whether or not it even comes across as a linear story. I think I, that outlet is still in the music for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's stories just all around us. And I think stories are, are sort of what people cling to, whether it's in a song or in like an actual book, or even you mentioned marketing and it's, that's why people buy things. It's companies have to create a story to get people to buy things. Uh, and you got to have a story to your, to your name as a musician to get people to listen to your songs. Exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's fun. It's, it's a lot of fun to play with. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, so do you ever feel here's, here's a heavy question since it's just kind of like for you, it's mostly kind of a side project right now, kind of something you do for fun and you'd like to go somewhere, but you never know. Do you ever feel like it's a waste of time or do you ever not have fun making music? I, yes, to both the times. So when I'm, when I'm making music and I don't have fun, it's typically when I'm mixing songs cause I'm not that good at mixing. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, I want it to sound like this, but I don't know how to get it there. Um, so those are the times I get frustrated and I just take a step away. I'm just like, all right, like, you know what? It's not the end of the world. It's not like many people are waiting for this song to be out anyway. So just like, don't get all frustrated about it. But then, uh, I recently, I feel like I haven't ever felt like I've been wasting my time doing it because it's like, I know dudes who play video games and yeah. I'm not, you know, talking shit on video games, but like what if, if this is a waste of a the time, then that for sure is. So I don't know. Like, I just think like if you like something and it's productive and it, helps you have fun and takes you away from the stress of everyday life, then yeah, fire it up, do it as much as you want. Absolutely. I like that. And with the things that frustrate you, like, like mixing and production, you could always uh, have someone else do that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I had Andrew mixing for quite a while, but then, uh, he kind of taught me enough to get a song to a point. And I think he wanted me to start mixing my own stuff too. And so, uh, yeah, but there's always there's always someone else you can do that. It just so many people are expensive nowadays to do like yeah. just one song. It's crazy. Yeah, very true. And it sounds like Andrew's trying to get you to learn because I, I'm pretty sure he enjoys the process. I think once you get good at it, it could be fun. Yeah, it becomes like a second part of like making music. Like you get to be creative in your mix. You get to decide how the song is going to be presented and the approach and the arrangement. And so I think there is like a lot of creativity that once you have the, the base level skills of mixing down that you can implement in the post-production. And so I think Andrew, that he's just so good at that, that he is fun doing it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And how much of your process is happening in the mix at this point? And how much of it do you come in already knowing what you want it to sound like? A lot of it is pre. So I, I try to record everything in without as much, uh, like I, I want to be as mu on rhythm as much as I want, as, as much as I can. Sorry. Um, 
just because I don't like spending the meticulous time of getting everything figured out in the post end. I like having kind of the whole song figured out when I'm done recording. And then it's really, all right, let's make this so it doesn't pierce someone's ears when they're listening to it. Let's make it so everything can hit when it's supposed to be hitting and be full and kind of like a whole mix rather than kind of being like, Oh, this is probably 50% of the way done. And in post-production, I'll make it a hundred percent. I would say it's like, 95% is done in pre-production or like while I'm recording. Yeah. And what is your, what is, the, where does the song usually start for you? Like, do you come up with lyrics first or just like a little guitar hook or is it just like a, a general vibe that you think of? Like, I want to make a song that sounds like this. Where does the kind of beginning stage usually start? It's, it's either two things really. It's a, uh, I have a guitar piano and I think of a chord progression and then I just go from there and take it into logic or I'm in logic and I just want to jam. And then it ends up being something cool that I go back to like two days later. I'm like, Oh, I should write to this. And so it's music first and then the lyrics mainly. Yeah. I'm the same way. I feel like a lot of people are that way. Except I suppose maybe people who specialize in the kind of singer-songwriting style of music maybe care more about the lyrics, but... Yeah, I'm not a huge lyric guy. I'm kind of just like an, an ambiance guy. Like, what are, you, what are you giving me? Yeah, it's you're creating like an atmosphere and a feeling. Exactly, yeah. It's not so much... Like, you know, there are stories in some of my songs, but I'm not like telling people, hey, listen to the story I wrote in this song. It's more so of turn this on, and if you like it, then you like it. So, so far in your musical journey, what would you say has been your biggest moment or the moment where you felt like, wow, like I'm really doing something here? I think after I released Moonlight, which is going to end up being uh, the song I play at the end of the podcast, uh just like I got a lot of texts from people who I didn't even know listen to my music and they're like, Hey, this is a really good song. Or even like close friends were loving it. And like th- people would turn it on when I'm around, not just because it's like a favor. They're like, Oh, listen to Garen's music. They're like, Oh, I want to listen to the song. So that was like yeah. really cool for me. Like seeing the direct appreciation for the song. That was, that was dope. Yeah. That's super sick. And on the, the opposite side of that, do you have a moment where you felt like the shittiest about your music, like your lowest possible moment? Yeah, I think it was It was right after I like released three EPs after I got hurt. And each of the EP just each EP had less and less listens. And I checked Spotify <laughs> one day and it was just like I had like 60 listens on a song. I was just like, oh, this sucks. Like, why am I even doing this? <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. I mean, definitely like to hear that it was going down, I could see as being super depressing, like no progress. But on the on the other side of it, I could definitely see some people being really excited about 60 listens. That's not too bad. Exactly. Yeah. So and it's just like, <clears throat> how much worth do you put on listens? Yeah. Or do you do you put the worth to actually doing what you're doing? Yeah, totally. Totally. So the big question, and we've kind of touched on it already with a few things we've talked about, but the big question of this podcast is why are you making music? So and you could take it in a lot of different ways, I know. But in your opinion, what do you think the point of making music is? Ooh, the point of making music in general or for me? Start with, start with for you, and then okay. if you want to expand in general, you can. The point now for me is really just having a good time. It's I can have so much fun alone for days on end. And it's really just like it, it frees my mind. It takes me away. It's just so much fun. And so it's really I just look for a good time and I pick up an instrument and then see where it goes from there. Hell yeah. That's short and concise and, and extremely true. I like yeah. It. I mean, and as a fellow musician, I think you can agree that it's when when your mind it takes you away from the stress yes yeah it's it's completely like meditative 
in a lot of ways because it just puts you in a whole different place. So like whatever was going on in your mind before you started working on a song is just, is just gone. Like you're just fo- singularly focused on one thing and that thing is fun. It's like a little fun puzzle. So I agree completely. Yeah. Yeah. The puzzle piece. That's, I love looking at it that way. Cause it's like the answers are there. You just have to get the answers in the right area. Yeah, exactly. And there's, you know, like an unlimited amount of different answers that could work. Yeah, yeah. Literally, there's no there's no rules. What would you say about it in general? You, you were thinking in general as well. I think in general, it would be... So Andrew, my cousin Andrew, uh, I think it's his Instagram bio, is art is a snapshot of culture. And mm. so I, I really think it's that. It's like, you know, when historians look back at our time, they're going to look at the music and see what music was most prominent. And they can make conclusions about how our society is and was because of the way we engaged with music because of the music we listened to. And so I think it's, it's just like, for me, like I don't write a journal because I make songs and I can go back to my logic files and see what I was doing on that day, how I felt. And so I think it's kind of like that, but in a way bigger picture. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people kind of express similar opinions in that they kind of describe it as immortalizing yourself too. It's like, this is something that will survive even when I'm gone. Mm -hmm. And that's, yeah, it's true. Like on an individual level and also as like a culture. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's where like, I think it's pretty cool. Like, you know, one day five kids are going to be like, dad, what'd you do when you were 20? And I was like, all right, listen to this song, (laughs) buckle up and listen to this song. (laughs) I think that's so cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. And then hopefully they'll make some music and you'll be able to listen to their music. That seems like a trippy thought. I know, right? Especially with like, uh, after like listening to some of my old songs, I'm like, damn, I was going through a lot at that time. Just waiting. They start saying some weird shit in their song. I'm just like, oh my God, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you share your music with your parents? Yeah. Yeah. What kind of, what kind of feedback do they give you? Uh, I think my mom might be my biggest fan. <laughs> oh, there you go. You just answered one of my questions. I always ask who's your biggest fan. It's it's often a mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's so funny. But uh, yeah, I think it's just fun. And she, she was like a cheerleader throughout uh, high school and college. So she's actually kind of musical and like can dance. Oh, and nice. Yeah. So I get my rhythm from her. My dad can't keep a beat for his life, but... Uh, so I think she, she enjoys that and just seeing like me be creative and have, and spend my time in a kind of a good way when I could be doing a lot of other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good outlet for sure. And what does she, um, still stay up to date with like music and stuff? Does she listen to like modern music or is she kind of like listen to her oldies? Kind of oldies, but, uh, I, it's so weird. She doesn't listen to music when she's in the car. She, what is, she likes just like silence or yeah just silence she keeps the radio off it's so weird so i don't know if like she even listens to the radio or anything but yeah it's pretty funny that's interesting i mean i get <laughs> it i guess it, you know it's good to have quiet time so in that way i get it but also whenever i'm in the car without some sort of music i'm a little bit disturbed yeah yeah i gotta have something playing podcast or music yeah yeah Definitely me too. But um, that's cool though that she uh, she supports you so much. Not not everyone has that. Yeah, yeah, it is nice, and I'm incredibly thankful for it. Let's see. Let's see. Okay, here's kind of a, a topic I wanted to explore with you, and it's kind of just random, but pretty fun. <laughs> I, no. I was thinking about this lately, and I just was wondering, I want to get your take. Do you think – creativity is something that people are born with or something that you have to learn? Mm, That's a really good question. I would say it's a, some people are just born with it and they can do whatever creatively they want. But then I also think it's a skill and you can learn how to kind of just push through lulls of creativity. You can learn how to 
like refine your creativity. And so I think it's, it's a talent and a skill in itself. And talent is something you're born with. And then a skill is something you just build up over time by practice. And I think it falls into both of those categories pretty fairly. Yeah. And do you think there's such a thing as somebody who has no creativity or no creative ability? If I would say yes, because those are the people who are just afraid to take the chances of being creative. And so I think that kind of just pushes that person to not be creative. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really about like agency though. It's if they wanted to, they could be creative. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's really just a choice of being creative. Then how good you are at being creative depends on your natural talent at it. And then if you've been building up the skill to it. Yeah, absolutely. And the, what do you feel about yourself? Do you feel like you were born with a certain amount of creativity? Like as a kid, you just kind of naturally were creative or was it more of a, you really had to push it? I think I wanted to be creative because Andrew and I would always make YouTube videos when we were young and we're always just finding random things to do and having fun, just like coming up with new things. But then I think with music, it was something I really had to learn how to do it as a skill and how to be creative with when I sit down at a piano, how do I make a chord progression that sounds right? Yeah. What do you think? What do you think about that? I, I am on the side of thinking that, I mean, I like what you said about people needing to choose to be creative. I'm on the side that I think everyone is, has the ability to be creative and it's, yeah, it's more about choosing to work on it. And if you want, the people who are really creative are usually people who just do it a lot. They are, you know, if you're an artist, you're constantly making art and that makes you better. You get better and better at your craft. So I know there's people who feel like they're not creative, but like you said, those are usually the people who are just not trying. And I always feel like I want to tell those people they can try if they want to. And you could be bad at something and still be creative. Like, you can't really be bad at creativity. Like you can be bad at art, I guess, but you're still doing it. And that's the point is to just do it. So boom, there it is. The point is to just do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, and like, so we, I, I used to always just fire up a beat real quick and then we would freestyle with like all my dorm buddies or, and then living with my roommates. And, uh, Hell yeah. and it was funny because like this, the question you asked exactly represents that. Like there are some people who weren't that good at it, but they would do it and have fun doing it. And then there are some people who are like, no way, like I'm not doing it at all. (laughs) And I I always would get frustrated. Like, why not? And they're just like, I'm not good at it. I'm like, I don't care. No one cares. Like you can, you can say whatever. Exactly. hundred percent. I agree. Are you still uh, in touch with any of those dorm mates that you would uh, do freestyles with? Yeah. <clears throat> Am I still in touch with my dorm buddies? Yes. Uh, a lot of the guys from UW. So what was cool was like I was all friends with football players and then playing football at Cal. I still saw them once a year playing them and was always like nice. up to date with what they were up to, how they were doing. So, yeah, still in touch with a lot of my freshman year friends. And are any of them pursuing music at all? No, not many of my friends do music. It's kind of disappointing because <laughs> I'm just like, Hey, let's hang out and like jam out. And they're like, well, I, I don't even know the difference between like an A and an A minor. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a problem. That's a little sad. I mean, not to make, bring you down, but I just know like with me, it's, it's, I mean, you got Andrew though. I mean, it's like when I hear people I know making cool stuff, it really inspires me. So I was wondering if you had like a little, network of people that inspired you like people around you yeah yeah um the person i'm actually going to recommend for you to podcast her name's kira grove she makes some edm kind of like that vibey type of edm and it's really good um she's someone who it's like she makes it like she'll release a song and i'm like damn like this is really good really good post-production really good editing just everything is so tight and really good in the song and then Andrew's one of those people. He's so creative. And then it's also he has this huge classical background. And yeah. he sings opera. And then he makes a song like Keep You Close. And 
just insane the versatility he has yeah i love that song yeah that song's sweet you like to play a game of course so the game's called soundtrack to your life basically i will read you a few scenes that i wrote they're like uh script scenes from from like a movie or or a play or something think of it as a movie so you'll you'll be pretending like you are the character in the scene okay and then at the end, I'll ask you to say a song that came to your head as a song that could be playing in the background. All right, let's do it. So you're basically creating the soundtrack to the scene. Perfect. And it's uh, I've got three scenes for you. They're all completely different vibes. Nice. Okay. I'm ready. Scene one. It's a beautiful, sunny summer day, 75 degrees with a light breeze. You're relaxing on a beach near Santa Cruz, California, with an iced beverage in one hand and a good book in the other. You're feeling completely stress-free, not a care in the world. Some nearby strangers accidentally throw a Frisbee in your lap, but it doesn't bother you. In fact, you jump up, toss it back, and join in. What song is playing as you toss the Frisbee around with your new friends? Don't Worry Baby by the Beach Boys. <laughs> as dude within like 10 seconds that just came started playing in my head okay scene two it's dark and cold you're surrounded by nothing but concrete walls you're all alone they don't trust you around other inmates you're in a max maximum security prison convicted of murder the sad reality is that you were framed you're serving 25 years to life for a crime you did not commit what song is playing as you cry yourself to sleep? Okay, I have two. Okay, you can do both, yeah. Cool. I've got Folsom Folsom City or Folsom Prison Blues by Johnny Cash. Just classic jailhouse rock almost. And I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when I'm stuck in Folsom Prison. And then the other one would be a completely different vibe, Slow Dancing in the Dark by Joji. Those are both solid picks. Yeah, the the Joji one came into my head first, and then once you said prison, I was like, oh, I got to shout out Johnny Cash right here. Yeah, yeah, perfect, perfect. Okay, last one, scene three. It's the World Series. You've dedicated your entire life to the game of baseball for this moment. It's game seven, bottom of the ninth, two outs, bases loaded. Your team is down by three. Your home hometown fans anxiously await their final chance. It's you. You're up to bat. A home run, a grand slam would win the game and the series. Anything less might not be enough. What song is playing as you walk up to the plate? Ooh, that's tough. I honestly, I want to say the most cliche answer. And uh, what's the Eight Mile song by Eminem? Oh, lose yourself. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that's just great. I gotta say that. That's perfect. Yeah, just the lyrics are so matched up with that one perfectly. Yeah, I like it. All right, you've you've won the game. It's over. <laughs> yeah. There's nice. no winning or losing, but I just say you win. I'll, I'll right. I mean, I love that. I'll take that. I love winning. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So, is there anything you want to talk about? Do you have any topics or questions or or stuff you want to say to the public, to your fans? Well, I've got a question for you. Okay. Shoot. So. I'm an artist who's never really collaborated with other people. 
I've done like I've made music with Andrew and when I'm in person with people, I love making music and having fun. Yeah. What's it like being in a band? How, what are the dynamics? Do you have to know your role? That's a good question. I mean, there's different dynamics to every band, of course. And sometimes there are certain roles you're supposed to fit in. And sometimes there's not in my experience. I've actually had, I've been in two bands and my first band in high school, I definitely felt like it was like a know your role kind of scenario, not in a bad way at all, but it was like high school. So I was like learning how to play guitar, but then me and my buddies, Luke Colhane, Jake Marino, wanted okay. to start a band. Jake Marino, for people who don't know him, is an amazing guitarist. So it was kind of one of those scenarios where like you're learning guitar, but then you start jamming with friends, and I'm I'm one of those people who are like, okay, I'm going to play bass now <laughs> because yeah. I'm the less good guitar player of this group. And then I kind of fully committed to bass, and it actually ended up being something I really loved. And I was really happy that happened because bass just kind of suited me more, I think, my personality and and my taste in music even. So in that band, I definitely felt like it it was like a know your role kind of thing. It was, I mean, everyone kind of contributed to songwriting a little bit and that's cool, but it was definitely like a firm role of like guitar player, bass player, singer, and then later drummer in Dylan Aragon and everyone was really good at what they did. And, and that was really cool. And then my college band was definitely more fluid. I felt, I mean, I still played mostly bass, but I also did some singing and my buddy Aiden Dancy sang and played guitar. And we both kind of helped with songwriting and we both would try to write, you know, synth parts and, and kind of do more arranging and stuff. And we never really had a firm drummer. So we would just make beats and, and, you know, play pre-recorded tracks during our live sets. So a long winded answer to say, like, it depends on the band, but the cool thing about being in a band is sometimes if you do have a role, you get to just focus on that one thing or like those one or two things more so than worrying about, the whole song because I've, I've made music just on my own too. And it, it could be overwhelming sometimes to have to like make every single aspect of the song. It has its advantages and disadvantages because you can obviously do what you want with all of it, but then you also have to do all of it. Yeah. And, and you definitely have to pick the points of the song or the instruments where you want to shine. Cause it's not like yeah. you can't have, a guitar, a bass, and a piano ripping all at the same time. It just, it just doesn't work in a song. Yeah, exactly. And so so being in a band's pretty awesome in a lot of ways, but it also certainly limits your personal creativity because you're trying to have uh, a group creativity that you're meshing together. So you can't always do like everything you want to do. And sometimes somebody might take a song you bring to the table and you might not like where it went or you might have had a different idea of where it should have gone. And and that could be frustrating, but more times than not, that doesn't happen very often. Usually they take it and they make it better. And then that's just like a whole new feeling of awesomeness. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like planting the seed and then having someone else water it to be something that it wasn't. That is a beautiful uh, comparison. That, that's like a, a metaphor or a simile. That's a simile. Yeah. I don't, Very I'm not nice. good with literary terms like that. <laughs> I'm not either. I was just trying to think of what the word was. Yes. That's yeah. a very good, uh, way to compare it. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, long winded answer, but pros and cons to both. It can be really awesome. Most of the time it's, it's fun to collaborate, I think. Yeah. So I have another question from something you said. So you would play live shows with a recorded track. How did that go? I mean, it went pretty well for us. We were just like playing, you know, this band, I went to UC Santa Barbara. So we played for people who know there's just like a, you know, a scene in Isla Vista. It's called the little town right next to the school. There's a whole 
band scene. There's like five or six bands at any time that are playing every weekend, just house shows mostly. That's sweet. So there wasn't, yeah, it was really cool, but there wasn't like a lot of pressure on like sounding amazing all the time. And so we felt like there wasn't a lot of pressure on us and it kind of worked for us because we were also trying to be like more of that indie electronic rock kind of sound. Like we were hugely influenced by bands like LCD Sound System. Spoon and you know bands like that that kind of incorporate at least Spoon in their later years incorporate a lot of electronics. So we were trying to do synth parts. We had this, we had like two synths. Which uh, synths? Ah, uh, gosh, there. I wasn't the one who owned them. Aiden owned them. I know one of them was just like a Korg. Okay. And then uh, the one he got, the, the other one was just like a MIDI controller. Uh, that we just plugged into the computer. Okay. And it was a Alesis, um, which is just a MIDI. It was a MIDI controller. So we we're just we were just making the sounds until until we got the Korg. We were just making them on the on uh, Pro Tools or whatever. Yeah, just yeah, just shifting the the presets. Yeah. So it was kind of a combination of of that those two things, and then we eventually did get a keyboard player, Eugene Cheng who's kind of like a classically trained pianist and he kind of came aboard and started doing the synth parts for us live. But so we would record the beats usually and just uh, Aiden would kind of program them into the synth. So it would just, he would just click a button and it would start and it worked for us because it fits um, just like a, I mean the type of beat we would make fit the kind of electronic vibe we wanted to get and we had a pretty good PA system that made it sound pretty solid. So it worked out for us. And then of course, as anybody who plays live knows, like hauling drums around is, is the worst part about playing live shows. Yeah. So it it saved us a lot of back pain and and time to have to like, never worry about moving drums around. So it worked well for us. Nice. Cause I've, I've, I mean, like I've never done a live show, but if I do, I just, you know, like I said, not many of my friends play music. <laughs> so yeah. it's not like I could just be like, hey, learn these six songs and we can roll. It's going to have to be, I'm going to have to have the logic files ready to go and kind of figure out the arrangement of what instrument I'll play with the vocals. And so, yeah, that's, in- that's interesting to hear. Yeah, I think go for it. I mean, I know some people have like a stigma about using backing tracks because yeah. it's like, oh, it's not live or whatever. But I mean that's kind of bullshit. I mean, like you have to, you do what you got to do. So like you're one person, there's a ton of people using backing tracks of, of different, to different extents. Yeah. So. And even, and even like there's people who have full bands and they're still using backing tracks. Exactly. Yeah. I, I don't think it's anything to be frowned upon, even though some people do for some reason. Yeah. I think, yeah, th- there's just like a weird, like you said, stigma against it. And I feel like the same way with like loops, like loops are super prominent in music right now in all genres. And when a a song sounds like it was just made from a loop, I feel like it, people are kind of like, eh, you know, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's same kind of thing. I guess, I don't know if people think just because you're using a backing track or a loop that it somehow takes away from like the effort the song took to play or perform or record, which I think is not true at all, but I guess that's what some people feel like, whether, I don't know, those are either the people who don't play music at all, or they're the people who are like classic, uh, old school type musicians who just are all about grit and just playing and playing until your fingers bleed, I guess. Exactly. Um, I know. Yeah. Those are the two types of people that will, that will look at that and be like, no, I'm cool without it. Yeah, which I think is just stupid because, I mean, most people would agree, like people like you and me and, and people, musicians that we admire, is like, it's just part of your arsenal. It doesn't mean loops don't make you worse or better. It's just like a different tool to use and, and play with and and combine with, and, you know, you'll combine it with live instruments and it'll 
the combination of the two is going to create something really cool potentially. So you should use whatever you can to make cool sounds, I think. Yeah, I feel like limiting yourself on the many approaches that you can take to making music or playing music live, it's it's literally just limiting the potential for your music. Exactly. Yeah, like you I mean, you just nailed it. And that's how I felt when I was in my like college band. We were like, well, if we played without our backing tracks, without our drum machine and our and our pre-recorded synth parts like it would have just not been as cool we wouldn't be the band that we were trying to be because we would sound like everybody else which we were trying not to be like a jam band because there's a lot of those in like college towns where it's just like you know just a guy like ripping on the guitar and like a drummer just going hard and lots of (laughs) lots of solos and and stuff and there's nothing wrong with that but we were trying to like be different than the scene and that like required us to to use pre-recorded tracks and stuff so yeah to have like a cohesion with throughout the whole song cuz then yeah. it's like you can just jam the same four bars over and over but some people will get tired of it depending on like even if you're just soloing it's like all right dude we get it you can rip guitar now like put it in a way that i want to see you rip it again instead of just yeah. continually shredding yeah totally anyway those are good questions though i hope you get the chance to do some live performances soon yeah we'll see we'll see i definitely have to figure out the whole spiel of what i'm gonna present for it but we'll see it's something you want to do though seems like yeah yeah it's the the better i get at playing instruments the more i'm like okay like i think this would be a really good next step and kind of opening up and getting more people to be able to get ears on my music. Yeah. And I, going back to what we talked about before with just like playing with a band, I think playing live with other people and collaborating with other people is just such a great way to get better at your instrument or instruments if you're playing multiple. Yeah. That was, that was one thing I didn't say that you just kind of reminded me is I felt like I got so much better playing in a band because, well, really, you, it's just you just got to do it, right? It goes back to just doing it. When you're in a band and you're and you're jamming with other people, it just forces you to play more and yeah. like learn learn new songs and learn their songs and figure out like, oh, you wrote a song that goes like that. I didn't. I would have never thought to do it that way. And, yeah. and so you'll just learn a bunch of new stuff, and it'll be really fun. Yeah. And then focusing in on one instrument too. Yeah, totally. And I mean, you can, you could switch if you want at some point, but it does, it does let you hone a craft if you have those roles. Yeah. Well, this has been a great conversation. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. We got to do this again. Yeah. I would love to. Um, I think you mentioned a person earlier, but I always ask for a recommendation for uh, another person I could interview, Kira Grove. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I'll send you uh, her her Instagram. Perfect. Is that her like stage name as well? Yeah, yeah. Cool. I'm excited to check it out. Based on how you described it, I think I'll like it. Yeah, it's really good. She has one song that she collabed with someone. And it's taken off right now. It's really cool. Sick. Yeah, definitely gonna check that out. Where is the best place for people to follow you, like on social media? Uh, Instagram. I I love posting stories, just real stupid content, <laughs> but wow. it's fun trying to make people laugh and just get people to my Spotify as much as I can. Yeah. So uh, your Instagram is at the Doc Martian. Correct? Yep. At the Doc Martian. Doc Martian on Spotify. Perfect. And and then when is uh, this coming out? So probably between. Well, do you do you have something to promote? Well, yeah, I was about to say shameless plug. I'm dropping a song hopefully tomorrow, depending on Dish okay. Kid. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's definitely not going to be out by tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, that's but, what I figured. But okay, so this will probably be uh, one to two weeks out. So we'll just shamelessly plug. Go listen to the song that came out. It's called two weeks ago. Yeah, it's called Ran Into You. I released it one to two weeks ago. (laughs) 
ran into you. There you go. Yeah. And you've got, you've been, like you said, he's been dropping a song almost every month. I really liked Bluffing you put out last month. Thank you. Yeah. And um, Moonlight, you mentioned earlier, there's a bunch of people like that. I, I love that one as well. So go check those out. And uh, well, I think we're going to hear Moonlight at the end, right? Yep. And then the new and, one, oh, they'll have heard it. Oh, cool. So we'll put the new one at the beginning. Yeah, sick. So yeah. you'll have already heard it. You're welcome. Yeah, go like it on Spotify, though. <laughs> yes, yes. And give, give them a follow, too, because that helps. Yeah, all that. That'll help. <laughs> all righty. Cool, dude. It's been really fun talking to you. Keep making cool shit. And Will do. We always, we always end with a high five. Yep. So I'll, I'll count down from three, and then we're going to high five. All right, let's do it. All righty. Three, two, one. Nice. Perfectly in sync. <laughs> yeah. That was money. That was the farthest away high five that has actually ever happened. It, it was beautiful. <laughs> All right, thanks, Steve. Yeah, thank you. Let's get some tattoos we regret And say the things we never said Your words, they hit me in the chest Oh, maybe it's all the cigarettes But I need you, you tell me you love me And I won't believe you Don't try to be funny by playing with you listening to this podcast. I know there are literally a million podcasts out there for you to listen to, and I really genuinely appreciate you choosing this one. Don't forget to subscribe or give us a follow on whatever platform you're on. It really helps the show a lot, and it helps me personally with my ego issues. Thanks again to Garen for coming on the show. Go and find him on Spotify, The Doc Martian on Instagram, or just Doc Martian on Spotify. Thank you to the Judd Zingle Project for our theme. If you didn't know, Aiden Danzi of the Judd Zingle Project is the one who made our theme music. We also used one of his tracks, How Does It Work, as a backing track during the introduction. Follow us on Instagram at Redefining Records to keep up with this show and other cool content. We'll have new episodes of Sound for Thought coming out every other week in alternation with our other podcast, Bands, Beers, and Buzzwords. If you're hungry for more podcasts to listen to, go check out an episode of Bands, Beers, and Buzzwords, or check out another episode of this show. Maybe explore an artist that you've never heard of before. You might find something you really love.